Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, good evening. I was just thinking during the, the gospel proclamation there, we, we got this new hypoallergenic incense, and that's, it's rose-scented. And I just was thinking, I'm like, what if, we, what if we get like a Marian apparition during Mass, and then we would miss it because it already smells like roses in here. So I was just telling Mary, I'm like, if you want to show up, it's got to be extra rosy because it's already pretty rosy. So anyway, I'm sure she'll figure it out. What am I saying? <laughs> Okay, so on these Marian feast days, friends, I'm always, you've heard me say this before, I get kind of paralyzed by wanting to just say everything. Um, I love our Blessed Mother so much, and I really just, uh, I, I find myself hang, having to scale it back, dial it down, don't give a five-hour-long homily, um, although I want to. I want to. I won't do it to you, though. So this is where my heart was led to reflect and pray as, as uh, just as the imagery that, you know, just beginning for this homily, this, this, uh, for this solemnity, that this time of year, right, mid-August, this is always, a, in some ways, a difficult time of year, um, certainly for moms and dads, but certainly for moms in a unique and particular way. Back-to-school season, there's all of the hustle and bustle of back-to-school stuff, but there's that particular subset of moms and dads, of course, but moms who are preparing their hearts for dropping off their kids back to college, right? Or the moms and dads who are preparing to take their kids to, you know, move them into their first new apartment as they're starting the new job somewhere in a city far, far away. Too far away, right? Anyway, and there's, there's, that's a tough thing. It's a really tough thing. And all of those moms, all of those moms who've been through that same journey, that same experience, they say something similar, which is, like, I felt like I left a piece of my heart there. And that was what my mom at least said when my parents dropped me off for my freshman year at the University of Dayton. My mom, God love her, my mom mourned my entire senior year of high school. She cried, I think, every day. Um, so by the time it was time to drop me off, I was just like, I was so sick of her crying. But it was my dad who cried that I was just like, <laughs> you know, it just totally, totally took me by surprise. So anyway, but I remember she said that. She, she was like, I just, I felt like I left a piece of my heart in Dayton. What's interesting, of course, is that um, doctors, biologists, scientists, they, they've made these really fascinating discoveries in recent years and decades about just, you know, human development, things like that, and that every mother, every mother, every child that every mother's ever conceived in her womb, there's uh, the, the, the fetus, like, there's like the shedding of, I don't, I'm not sounding like a doctor right now, the, there's every child that a mother conceives, cells of that child stay within the mother's body for the entirety of that mother's life. And those cells eventually, they settle in the mother's heart. They don't settle in her spleen or her liver. Those cells of every child that she's ever conceived, they sit in her heart for the rest of her life. And those of you who are moms, you're like, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. It seems as though God, in his design for our biology, he wanted to make very explicit something that every mom knows in her own heart, that I carry, my chi- I, I carry all of my children in my heart. And so on this solemnity, we see in some ways what that looks like, even for our Blessed Mother, right? How, how could it be that she, who was perfectly united with him, right? Perfectly united with Jesus in 
his will, perfectly united with him in his life, in his suffering, in his passion, how could it be that she would not also follow where, she, where he went in his resurrection? Right? How could it not be that the Immaculate Heart would race to be where the Sacred Heart went and rested, right? back in the bosom of the Father? So, of course, it makes sense that at the culmination of her life, the Lord raised her body and soul into glory. Right? We heard St. Paul say that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Right? First fruits implying, of course, that there's going to be more fruits coming. Right? Mary is the second fruit, if we can say it that way, of the resurrection. She's the second fruit of the resurrection. Her very body and soul being elevated, raised into the glory of the Trinity. Such a profound mystery. So here's where I want to begin for our reflections tonight with some words from Pope Benedict XVI, the homily that he preached uh, back in 2005 when he just began his papacy as Pope Benedict. He says this, The Feast of the Assumption is a day of joy. God has won. Love has won. Love has shown that it is stronger than death, that God possesses the true strength and that his strength is goodness and love pause there. Earlier in his career, before he was Pope Benedict, before he was Cardinal Ratzinger, when he was still just little old Father Joseph Ratzinger teaching at the university, he, he gave a series of lectures which then became um, a, a single volume called The Introduction of Christianity. You must read this book at some point, The Introdu Introduction of Christianity. Anyway, in that text, he proposes this. He says, the fundamental problem to human existence, the fundamental problem is paper cuts. No, I'm just kidding. Not, not paper cuts. Okay. So I want to make sure you're awake. Okay. The fundamental problem of human existence is that our hearts demand eternity. We yearn for the infinite. We want life. We want life that isn't touched by death or decay, where there's endless beauty, endless goodness, where all things good and true and beautiful, where they don't fade. He says we, our hearts demand eternity, but our hearts can't grant it. St. Augustine, writing in the first centuries of the church, he said this, he put it this way, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you, that we demand, we hunger, we thirst for this infinite kind of life, a life that is not touchable by death. Like, none of us want to live in a world where there's death. None of us want to live in a world where there's disease. None of us want to live in a world where there's bad news. None of us want to live in a world where we have to say goodbye to things that are beautiful and good. None of us want that. We tell ourselves all the time, like, just, you know, grow up. Just calm down. Like, we, that, that's life. But if we're honest with our hearts, we don't want that. And this is what the Pope is saying. He's saying that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the definitive answer from the heart of the Trinity that your heart isn't stupid all along. That there really is a power that's stronger than death, and it's love, that love has answered the deepest cry of our heart that there is something stronger than death and it's resurrected life. And on this solemnity, what we're celebrating in Mary's assumption is that this life that burst out of the prison bars of death on Easter morning, this life overflowing from the sacred heart fills the immaculate heart, fills her body and soul and elevates her untouched by death or decay into glory. She's tasting what we are all longing for. This is why we call her our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Our hope. We look at her to see not the aberration of our humanity. We look at her to see 
the rule and norm of our humanity. We are the aberration. She's what we're all called to be and what, by God's grace, we will become. The Pope continues. He says, Mary was taken up body and soul into heaven. There is even room in God for the body. Pause there. There is room in God. You know, like the triune God, the ineffable God, the God of infinite glory and majesty. Yeah, the God of creation, the God who hung the stars in the heavens. Yeah, he's saying even in that God, there's room for your body. He's awaiting your humanity. He's not just interested in your disembodied soul. Heaven is not the disembodied spirit realm where we get to finally retire for all eternity. I can finally be rid of this body with all of its wrinkles and gray things and sagging things. Ugh, the body. No, no, no. He's saying the body, your body, the body that God gave you, the body through which and by which you get to love and experience love and experience all of this, it will be resurrectified, transfigured, organically related to the body you have now, but so radiantly different, as different as a rose bush is to the, the, the rose seed, so different will our resurrected and glorified body be. We talk about the redemption of the body, the redemption of the flesh. This feast that we're celebrating, this mystery, this Marian dogma, is the declaration of the destiny of every body. It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. All right, the Pope keeps going. Heaven is no longer a very remote sphere unknown to us. And why is that? Because we have a mother in heaven. And the mother of God, the mother of the Son of God, is our mother. He himself said so. He made her our mother when he said to the disciple on the cross and to all of us, Behold your mother. We have a mother in heaven. Heaven is opened, and heaven has a heart. Heaven has a heart. And if I could be so bold to add on to the Pope's words there, I would say heaven has a mother's heart. There is a mother's heart in heaven. We never, friends, we never outgrow the need of a mother. We never outgrow the need of a mother. And, and while, of course, that need changes and evolves over time, it never goes away. The Lord gave us his mother to be our mother. She was the ultimate gift. He saved the best for last. He saved the best for last, giving her to us. Somehow, she is so close to us. She's closer to us than the infant in the womb is, to, is close to his or her own mother. Like that reality, that little child gestating in his own mother's womb is an icon, a, a, a shadow of the even greater reality of our closeness to our mother, Mary. I want you to try and stick with me in this theological math here. So in his humanity, Jesus, he was formed in the womb of the Blessed Mother, in her, in her womb. And if baptism, if baptism implants in us the character, the identity of Christ the Son, if that's what it does, if it plants in us this divine seed of immortality, giving us the divine identity of Jesus the Son, and if what the Holy Spirit's doing throughout the course of our life is forming Christ in us, if Jesus is growing in us, as St. Paul says, 
then where, we might ask, are we growing? If Jesus is growing, if he's growing in us, where are we growing? In her. When the scriptures say that we live and move and have our being, we are living and moving and having our being in her. In her. After baptism, you never leave a womb. After baptism, you live your days in the womb of the Virgin Mary. There is room enough in that womb. It is spacious enough to contain the infinite God. There is room in the womb, which means we are not far from her. I think it was St. John Damascene who, no, I'm not sure which saint it was. I think it was St. Dominic. It was St. Dominic who talked about the rosary. I knew it was a D. I knew it was a D. Who talked about the rosary being like the umbilical cord connecting the Christian to the Blessed Mother. See, one of the only things we can hold on to in this life. I want to press a little bit further into this idea of Mary and her mystical motherhood for each of us. If you ever get the opportunity to visit Washington, D.C., to go to the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception, that basilica that's there, you have to go. It's one of the most beautiful churches in the world. It's one of my favorite churches, hands down. In that basilica, there's literally hundreds of side altars, these side shrines that depict Our Lady from around the world, from around the world. All these different Marian apparitions, all these different cultural, ethnic um, depictions of our Blessed Mother, right? So to, there's a, to the Chinese, she appears as a Chinese mother. To the people of the Caribbean, she appears with dark skin and with typical, you know, Caribbean garb. There's Our Lady of Cabejo for the people in Rwanda. There's Our Lady of Nak, Our Lady of Chestahova, Our Lady of the Snows, Our Lady of Lords, right? Our Lady has appeared in all these different places and she manifests herself in a way that is attuned to the people and the culture that she's coming to, right? In a way that corresponds to their story, to their identity. Now look, every mother, every mother knows that it's part of her own giftedness, part of the feminine genius in the call of becoming a mother, that you, you become in some ways this, this key that is able to unlock each of your child, each of, each, each of your children's hearts. Like every mother becomes this unique key that accommodates herself, accustoms herself to each of her child's needs. And our Blessed Mother is absolutely the same. But here's the thing with her, that it goes beyond just national or ethnic identities or, or apparitions. And this is what I want to leave us with to contemplate as we, as we leave Mass tonight. That just as, there's an, just as there's Our Lady of Guadalupe for the Mexican people and Our Lady of Cabejo for the people of Rwanda, there is, there is also an Our Lady of you. And Our Lady of you. In other words, her love for you is that particular. It's that personal. It's that specific. And look, the only way I know how to really kind of explain this more clearly is to kind of share from my own heart and vulnerability with my relationship with Mary. So, for example, I, I, I'm someone who, for as long as I can remember, I've always loved sitting in front of the water whether it's at the ocean or at a lake or a pond, I love just sitting on the water, sitting by the water, watching the sun dance on the ripples. And there's a park in, our, in my hometown, Hudson Springs Park, with this beautiful little lake, and there's benches that kind of surround 
the lake, and there's one bench in particular that I've just spent many, many, many hours sitting on, reflecting, reading. I love this bench. (laughs) And what happens so often in prayer is Mary meets me there at that bench. She shows up there, sitting on my favorite bench. Or, for example, she knows that I love porch swings and cups of coffee early in the morning before the sun comes up, and she knows just how much cream I like in my coffee. And she loves to meet me in prayer, sitting on this porch swing to hand me a cup of coffee, one for me and one for her. She knows everything that animates my heart. Like she's connected with all of my favorite smells and foods and places and sights and sounds and songs and movies and everything. Everything that's ever pierced my heart, everything that Everything that makes me want to hit the pause button on life, Mary knows all those things. And so she comes to me in those things. She becomes the key that can unlock the particularity of my heart. And friends, the same is true for you. It's not just because I'm a priest. It's true for you. There's, just as there's an Our Lady of Patrick Schultz, there's an Our Lady of you. So on the Solemnity of the Assumption, We never outgrow our need for a mother. And friends, you have a perfect mother. As Pope Benedict said, heaven is opened. And she's the gate. (laughs) She is the gate. Heaven has a heart, and it's the heart of a mother. There is in heaven, right now as we speak, the softness of a mother. There's the attentive kindness of a mother. There's a mother's hands and a mother's lips and a mother's eyes, all of that in heaven. And you and I are loved by her, not in any general, like, holy card kind of way, right? A billion holy cards depicting Our Lady, all the same. No. She loves you so specifically. She knows you so particularly. We are loved by her in the most unimaginable way. Amen.